Hello and welcome to the first episode of my podcast titled Muay Thai in Thailand. A one hour, 13 minute conversation between myself and three friends I live in Thailand with who are all pro fighters. These podcast episodes will mostly be conversations between myself and one to three other people discussing topics that I'm interested in such as philosophy, self-improvement, psychology, business and entrepreneurship, life in Thailand and whatever else I'm currently interested in. Today I'm speaking with Jack Farron from England, Jack Ferguson from New Zealand and Oliver Burke from Ireland. I'm here in the office, SK apartment, Soi Chan Chan, Chiang Mai, Thailand, with Jack Farron, Oliver Burke, and Jack uh, Jack Ferguson. Thai names. I nearly forgot his name there. Oh yeah, yes, Jack, Jack Yai, and Jack Leck. Gentlemen, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedules of beating people up six days a week. Um, our first topic on this wonderful list is what the hell you're doing living in Thailand. What are you doing here, Jack? What, Jack, what are you up to? What does your daily life look like? Uh, for example, um, I just want to say, first of all, I love my life. It's great. Uh, but Muay Thai, Muay Thai is top of the list. So every day I wake up, uh, coffee, run, train Muay Thai. We normally train two to three hours, normally in the morning from eight until 10 or half 10, 11 o'clock. Um, yeah, get out of the way, come see the boys, get some food, have a have a, your midday nap, it's very important, and do it all over again. So you're training twice a day, six days a week, and uh, yeah, living the dream, man, it's great. So Muay Thai is at the top of your list of reasons for moving to Thailand? It's one of the top ones, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's actually there. And you were doing that back home, back home before you moved here, yes? Yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was training and fighting back home. Um, obviously not as... Uh, not as much, because obviously work and commitments and family. So I used, to, I used to train two to three hours a day after work. So my days are very long and here it gives me the opportunity to train twice a day as much as I can. Um, it's very cheap, Chiang Mai is very cheap as well. So I know it's one of the top spots for even expats. So people living living abroad, Chiang Mai is, I think it's like second, second or third in the world because it's very cheap to live. And the Muay Thai here is, is very, very good as well. All right, good stuff. Mr. Wang. I'm up next. So, uh, yeah, pretty much the same reason. Muay Thai is what brought me here. Uh, I tried it in university a few times, and then I decided I wanted to see if I could do it at a higher level. So I just came out here and joined Team Quest. And uh, I guess another... Oh, Smack! We edit that out? No. <laughs> bomb going Character. Uh, yeah, but... Um, as well as that, the cost of living is really low, so I felt like at home I couldn't balance like training, university, work, everything else I wanted to do. Too busy of a schedule then. Yeah, commuting into the city as well, whereas here I can afford to live in the city of Chiang Mai, train Muay Thai and work on other things I like to do as well. So it just lets me have a better balance. Alright, so you came out here once before, went home. Yeah, so I came, home. I came here for one summer. I was here for three months and I kind of decided I'd just try it and see if I really liked it. You know, I thought I liked it from trying it in university, but I wanted to see when it came down to training six days a week, if I would still like 
to train at that level and if I thought I could go go far with the, the sport or the martial art. Um, so after three months, um, I felt like I had made some progress. Still very much a beginner, but I thought that I could take, take it much further. And also when I went home, I just couldn't stick living that life, lifestyle I was living at home. I hate the cold weather and just not training all day, just thinking about uh, techniques and how I could be getting better when I'm just like sitting on a bus for an hour. Couldn't really do anymore, so I just saved up for like four months and came back out. Alrighty, sounds good. Mr. Ferguson. Uh, much the same as the other two boys, I had visited Thailand twice before, uh, once to Phuket and the second time to Chiang Mai. And I just sort of thought to myself, like I'm just working a normal job back home, not really doing anything that I enjoy apart from training once a day. And rather than making my holiday once, maybe twice a year, why not just make it my full-time life? And so I just moved out here, um, got a sponsorship at Team Quest with the boys. And I just haven't thought about going back at all. This is, this is life now. All right. Just dedicated and focused on the one thing that you enjoy doing and it's gonna make me, it's gonna take me further and help uh, bring other people to follow what, what they wanna do, whether it be martial arts or not. But try and set an example for everyone to get out of that nine to five grind mm. and to actually, you know, pursue, pursue something they want. Yeah. yeah, something that's worth or means something to them, something to their family, whatever. But I just don't think anyone should have to be stuck in a nine to five grind doing something they don't like just to pay bills and die. I think it's fucking horrible. Mm. Like um, quite often people say, you know, doesn't it hurt being a fighter getting hit? You know, you're always sore from training, constantly fatigued, but. I think your physical pain, you get used to it. Whereas if you're just doing a soul crushing job for 40, 50 years, that's emotional pain and you're fucking, you're slowly dying on the inside. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, better to take on the, the stoic side and get your, your body beat instead of your emotions. Get, get that adrenaline dump, get the, have an exciting life. So the common thread here seems to be that you can make more progress towards your goals in Chiang Mai than you could back at home. Yeah, Especially for Muay Thai since it's a, it's Thailand and yeah. I think yeah, it depends on your goal. Like, childhood. Yeah. Hmm? Depends on your goal. Like I know a lot of people back home, they want to just follow in their footsteps of mom, dad, grand, granddad. Like oh, I want to get a home. I want to get a dog. I want to get a kid. And I'm like, yeah, Kushti, good for you. But I want to punch people. Yeah. Like, this, <laughs> yeah. this is the place to be. Yeah. What reactions did you all get from friends and family? Mm -hmm. We'll start we'll go this way around this time. Uh, I got a lot of excitement, but at the same time, I feel like a lot of people thought I was just talking shit. A lot of people thought I was just making it up. It's never going to work. It's never going to happen. I've been here a year now and i um, still alive, still living the dream. Thankful every day for what we do. And I just love like sort of one by one people will message me that I never used to talk to and say that, you know, they're impressed and they're proud of what I'm doing and they're like amazed that how I just did whatever it is that I am doing. And I, I sort of just love, we, like, I love showing people that I can do what you say I can't do. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, good feeling. And prove them wrong. Mr. Yeah. Burke. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> what reaction did you get from friends and family when you told them you were going to go oh, live yeah. on the other side of the planet in Southeast Asia hitting people <laughs> six days a week? So I guess the first time I went, it was like a, a three month 
almost a holiday. It would have looked like a holiday to to other people at least. Um, not so much for me when in reality I was training like six days a week. But um, I guess it's easy for people to wrap their head around, you know, going somewhere for a summer. Um, maybe my family were a bit worried. You know, Thailand seems like really far away. Maybe more dangerous than like built up Western countries, but. Um, I think people kind of get over it because it's a short period period of time. And then when I was going to go back, um, I think it was last January, um, so just over a year ago now, um, that was a bit of a different story because it, I was kind of coming back to live here and, uh, and leaving university to do it. So obviously a lot of people wouldn't really approve of that, but... No, they don't like that back home. <laughs> But uh, I guess since since I've been here already, at least they knew that I could survive out here or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think people are probably a bit shocked by it, but what can you do? Yeah, they do seem to be a little bit. I remember when I was chatting to my dad about moving out here, and this is after I'd booked the ticket, so he knew it was going to happen. He'd been looking it up on uh, Wikipedia, and he said to me one day, isn't that the place where the uh, armed forces staged a military coup? And the government is now being run by a, a military junta. I said, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the place, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. But I'm not planning on getting involved in the local politics. So as long as things don't get too nuts, be grand. And they yeah. haven't so far. Yeah, I think on, on the ground, it's, it's not really unstable. Just at the higher level of mm. politics and stuff. A lot of games going on there. Mr. Big Jack. Big Jack. Uh, for myself. Um, Jack Moore. Oscarga. Yeah, Moore. <laughs> <laughs> What's the Irish for Jack? There's uh, definitely some. Well, the Thai is Jack. Different. Jack, 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 Jack Moore. Um, yeah, for, yeah, for myself, like, I was this this time around. I was going to be here uh, five months, um, but that was I've been here for just over I've been probably thirteen months now. So um, initially, I was going to go home and. Yeah, back to back to the grind, like back to work and family and this and that. But uh, from that, when I told my parents oh, I think I'm gonna stay here, I th it was mixed reviews. If I'm honest, it was like I think they were proud in a way. But on the other hand, so like like saying you're moving across the world to Thailand to to fight and pursue passion. So I don't know. It's um, they they're worried a lot. They 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 always message me like oh like this and that, oh, I hope you're okay. Like, if I got a cold, my mum goes dim low, like she gets crazy, and like, oh, it's time to come home. I'm like, no, like, what, what are you on about? Um, I fear. Yeah, but yeah, they, they, they do worry a lot, but also I find it's, it, they said to themselves, uh, it gives them bragging rights, because then they'll, they'll see some of my childhood friends, they'll see their parents, and they'll be like, oh, what's little Jimmy doing? Oh, he works in Tesco's. So, well, my son lives in Thailand, and he like, fights and trains and he's actually he's actually doing something with his life yeah. and yeah I, I don't know it's uh I see a lot of people a lot of my friends like they're it's good in a way because I, I I wanna I don't wanna be like oh I'm such an inspiration but I see I got a friend he he moved to New Zealand I don't know if he was already doing that but I'm hoping like from seeing if someone like fucked up was me like because I'm I can't organize nothing I'm very unprepared if I can move across the world save enough money, somehow make enough money here and just to tick over, that can hopefully set someone else off. Like you can spend forever thinking about doing something, 
but to do it and just 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 to do it like there's a quote I, I, I like to live by and um, I can swear right yeah yeah right. Right. so it's like I'd rather a life full of fuck it's than what ifs so when this opportunity came about I was like oh yeah like we can sponsor you you can stay here la 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 I was like fuck it fuck it yeah <laughs> what the fuck like, yeah. why, why the fuck not I don't want to be 50 years old and look back and go oh what if I move to Thailand and what this and what that I'm stuck in the rat race and like I just had a friend my friend came out um, if he's listening hello James from Jamon and um, he's here for two weeks and it's crazy because he's like your my holiday is your lifestyle and it it, it, it takes forever to sink in like, like I said I've been here a year and it's only just the realisation of I am living the absolute dream it's just like coming about it's um it's hard to kind of comprehend but yeah it's great man. yeah it's good that we have that sorted out at this age because yeah. you'd hope that most people will get something close to that as they get older mm. so I suppose the quicker you figure it out the quicker you figure out what your passion is and make your environment as productive as possible pursuing that passion which is what three of you are doing mm. the the better you're going to get at it because you started earlier yeah. get more uh, more time out of it but the yeah the inspirational part is very cool it's nice byproduct of it yeah because your friends are back home and they see you buy a plane ticket pack your bag whoosh gone yeah, see you later Dis yeah, yeah disappear for a while and then you pop up on social media a few weeks or a few months later and they think oh he's alive yeah, yeah he's doing he's stuff. doing it he hasn't ended up getting adopted into a gang yeah, or yeah. <laughs> killed in a motorbike accident so it's it's possible it opens up another pathway in people's brains because they see oh this is actually this doable. is a thing this is doable just okay. takes a, a leap of faith I feel like a lot of people can't wrap their head around the fact that you don't have to do what people tell you to do. Mm. Yeah, there isn't just one path that you have to like, that you have to go along. Like, yeah, if I listened to everybody, my teachers, my parents, etc., then I would have just got a job being a builder. Fucking probably would have finished high school. Might have helped. Yeah, <laughs> and just been a fucking just another just another cunt. Yeah, <laughs> building houses. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we all seem to uh, have got have had a lot of pressure to stick on a particular path, and we tried it. So, like, you started college and then left for a while, and then came back to college. It took a bit of it took a bit of thinking, kind of an experience. We had to try college before we were able to say for certainty, nope, not gonna go down that route. Yeah, that was like a, a big decision as well. I had to make in in January was. It wasn't just whether I want to move to Thailand, it was also uh, if I want to quit university. So, um, but I thought, you know, at university, the two main things you get out of it is the piece of paper and supposedly, you know, you learn about whatever topic you're studying. But I found that from being in university, most of the time, I didn't really get anything out of lectures because I'd just stare at the wall or something for, for the hour and then I'd go out and, and cram it for the exams. So I felt like I wasn't really learning much there. Uh, I taught most of it to myself anyway. And then the piece of paper really only qualif qualifies me for a bunch of jobs I don't really want anyway. I'd much rather either be a freelancer or work for myself in some way than, than go work for a company 40 hours a week, even if it was a good company, you know? Mm. So on the imaginary, weighing scales the opportunity cost of college is way too high yeah so it's like everything else you can do up here the two benefits weren't really benefits after looking at it like that 
and the cons are you're stuck in one place you've x number of hours gone out of your week you know there's there's a lot of cons and two pros that kind of don't really mean anything to mm. me so so you'll never be able to tell us what it's like to be a computer science graduate but you can tell us what it's like to be pro Muay Thai fighter in Thailand. <laughs> Give us a bit, right. of, a bit of insight there. What's, um, your, what's your record? What's your score? Also, I've, only had, had, um, I've only had uh, three fights so far. Um, so I'm, I'm undefeated so far, thankfully. Um, but yeah, I had three fights last year. Uh, the first one went to decision. So I won that on decision. And it's five rounds, three minutes? Yeah, five three-minute rounds. And then... Uh, second one was a TKO in the fourth round from like leg kicks and the third one was I think second round knockout body kick so um, they're getting shorter over time so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that keeps going yeah. and I'll barely have to fight at all I won't have to go run in for cardio or anything you might get a, a first round KO one day like Mr. <laughs> Big Jack over yeah, here yeah Mr. Big Jack over here with the sensational elbow Mr. Worldwide tell us about that Oh yeah, so I will start from my first fight. I've only had seven. I'm I'm still like early. I need to get more fights, but hopefully the opportunities arise sooner. More money and more fights. But my first one back in England was like I wanna say four, maybe five years ago. Um it was K one. So I fought K one, which is kickboxing. It was uh things like I think the rules were like semi, semi professional. Um yeah, I went in, uh well, to be fair, the lead up to the fight, the whole week I was shitting it I'm not gonna lie like, I've never been so nervous I couldn't eat I couldn't sleep and um, thinking to myself why the fuck am I doing this um, and then it kind of it kind of came about like after 10-20 seconds in the fight I realised like oh fuck this is why because this is this is great fun <laughs> um, yeah I went to win that um, my second one uh, again a pro uh, not pro sorry semi-pro K1 um and then, yeah, my first three fights were semi-professional kickboxing, all in England. And then my second trip to Thailand, probably about a year later, I I fought, yeah, pro Muay Thai rules. Um, won that by decision. That was in Koh Samui. And then last year, so, yeah, last year I had, how many fights? Two. Yeah, two fights. Two fights last year in Chiang Mai. Um, first one was... I'm not gonna lie, sometimes you get on the old tuk-tuk drivers who are there for a little bit of money. I kicked his leg and he was like, oh, that's enough. So, um, but it's, it's easy money, so it's, it's not too bad. Keeps you keeps you fresh, keeps the ring rust off. Then I fought another guy. Tell, tell us very quickly why, when you're fighting Thais, they sometimes don't, they don't sometimes finish the fight. Uh-huh. They would quit a little earlier than they could when they're not fully knocked out. Why is that? I think there's a few reasons. Um, one, the money isn't great. It's like, why put yourself through so much hassle? Like, and, and what's, the, what's the money for a, a tie in the fight? For a tie, I've, I'm thinking maybe a thousand baht. A thousand baht, maybe 1500 baht max. It's not a lot. The the flang we get when we fight, we get 2,500 baht. So the, the difference is a lot. Um, a lot of time, I say a lot of the time, there are still some good fights, there's some very good fights here, but you are going to get the odds idiot here and there I say idiot he's just there to put food on his table so like fair play to him mm. um, so he can't get too beat up because he has to do this oh he's going to do it again yeah he'll probably yeah. do it again next week two weeks like some of these ties they fight so much it's, it's crazy it's, it's really inspirational because it's it, back home it's such a big deal it's like people are like oh I'm going to fight in four months and I'm like yeah good for you like I'll, there's nippers guys and girls out here they're like 
an hour notice, they're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna fight. I, they fight three times a week, some people. Like, there's a guy, one of our trainers, he came back for, came back from China for three weeks, he fought six times, and he doesn't train. He's just there for the money. It's just, it's just not a big deal. Like, a lot of them, the Thai, the Thai way is like, you, you fight a lot, you have a few drinks, you know, you smoke, it's very relaxed. It's just a, it's a way of life. So it's like an occupation in a sense out here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, yeah, they enjoy it. That's the main thing. Like, it's, there's such a big culture surrounding Muay Thai and it's it's beautiful. There's so much respect and the art form is incredible. It's just, oh man, we just love, love Muay Thai. There's a reason why mm. we're here and there's so much passion. Like, there's no money in Muay Thai, there's only passion. And it, and it shows like 100%. Go on. The currency conversion for people back home there is 1,500 baht. It's 42 euro. That's what the locals get. So and foreign fighters get 2,500 baht, which is 70 euro. So, nice little bit of cash for a few minutes in the ring. Rent paid for the month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. All right, Mr. Ferguson, you're the MMA fighter of the group. Tell mm -hmm. us a bit about this occupation? Um, I always grew up, uh, my dad's a black belt in karate, former Australian champ. And so martial arts was always in the family, always around me growing up. Uh, my sister was a New Zealand Taekwondo champ. So everything sort of just led me, I almost felt obligated to fight and I really had a passion for it. Um, got picked on a bit in like primary school, middle school. I got in a lot of fights there and um, Eventually, I just, I don't know, I was just working a job in Omaru, my hometown, doing nothing and uh, just doing like weight training. And one of my friends, uh, my coach Jamie, uh, his buddy came over who had already been to Thailand, already trained, uh, had fought for a couple of titles and that. And he came over and we were sparring, just having some fun, and he bit the absolute shit out of me. And he said, you know, if you want to actually be a decent fighter, you have to take it seriously. And so, Two weeks later, I just moved to Christchurch because uh, he told me that's where the best gym was. Started training, fought soon after. Um, I fought a few different times in New Zealand, uh, fought in Australia. Uh, had a guy from China come to New Zealand. I've now fought in Thailand and I'm getting ready to fight in the Philippines. Lovely. So I fought- That's K next weekend, is it? Ah, uh, three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. So I fought K1, Muay Thai and MMA. Okay. MMA is your favorite so far? Yeah. All right, all right. Good going. So I have two questions here from friends back home. The first one is from Declan Miller of Kerndullah, uh, uh, Galway. And it's a pretty simple one. What are the pros and cons of being a fighter here? Ali. Try to give us three each. Three pros, three cons. All right, um, pros, I guess, people here really respect uh, Muay Thai. Obviously, it's a big part of their culture. And um, I think it's a very working class occupation as well. Um, it tends to be a lot of people that might be living in poverty and when they're children, they go to fight um, to try and send some money to their family or something like that, which isn't ideal, but I think people have a lot of respect for them for doing that. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess when, when they see a foreigner who probably doesn't have to be here doing it, um, I, th I think they maybe respect that a little bit. So you get you get a lot different treatment from people here if they realize you're here for Muay Thai rather than 
just to be a tourist or whatever. Like the security guards that see you doing your Yeah, we, we go for a run uh, maybe twice a day and the security guards around the different hotels always give us a thumbs up <laughs> and sometimes sh shout, good job, good job, or something like that. So that's nice, gets us through the run. And the lady boys shout. <laughs> <laughs> and the lady boys sometimes uh, give us some encouragement as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess respect is probably a big one. Um, it keeps keeps you like disciplined as well. You know, you, you can't be going out partying like that often. Otherwise, you're just gonna be wrecked for training. Can't be staying up past half nine. Yeah, that's that's my new rule for the last week. <laughs> How's that going? Uh, I'm probably seven days deep now. Haven't stayed up late, so <laughs> going strong. Um, cons. Cons for being a fighter here. Uh, I guess the pay is really bad. If you were doing it for the money, you just wouldn't be doing it. Um, so you couldn't live off it quite. Unless yeah, you were so doing you, it at the level the ties are. Yeah, so if you were looking at it as a career, um, you'd see that you know you're working really hard physically, and I guess mentally too. There's a lot of challenges just to keep pushing and training and stuff, and for virtually no money. So if you're looking at it as a career rather than just something you want to pursue, you know that's it wouldn't be a good choice. So I guess the pay, the lack of pay, is probably the, that, that's it really. All for right. Me, for me anyway. Okay. And I guess injuries. Jack Yite. Pros and cons. Yeah. Pros, fuck it's fun. Like, honestly, like, there's- um, Just the adrenaline going. Oh my God, yeah. It's, uh, it's not, only, not only the fighting. Like, I, I say to a lot of people, because they ask me a lot, like, why, why, why? And um, it's normally the same same sort of response I just uh, it's I hate to sound like I stole this from a movie or like I'm trying to be like an inspirational speaker but it's like one it's humbling two it teaches you so much and um, yeah like, like Wang was saying the people you meet here like the boys here the people in the gym we've got our own little family so even even when it was me moving out here away from my family and friends there's a whole another family we got here so like Everyone in the gym, all the sponsor fighters, like we all look after each other. It's like a, it's like a brotherhood and sisterhood, you know, very tight little community. Um, so yeah, the pros, honestly, I, I, I can think of so many different things, the fighting, the lifestyle, uh, the food here, Thai girls. Um, oh my God, there's just, list goes on and on and on. Like Thailand, I, I love Thailand, man, it's, it's the best. But cons, um, I really, like Wang said again, the, the money is shite. Like you can, if you're not fighting like a Thai, you can't make it, you can't, you will not be able to make it work. Um, unless you're fighting two, three times a month, uh, you can just about tick over, I reckon. Um, yeah, injuries, if you do get injured, like I, I've played a few sports, I played, I used to play football as a kid, played rugby, snowboarded, and I used to get injured in all of them. Fighting, like touch wood, um, I've had nothing really, apart from when I used to try jujitsu, uh, they used to fuck me up with my time, just standing there and throwing punches and kicks, you get your black eye, your dead leg, but... Um, you never broke a rib and had to go through two fights with that, no? No, no, not like Wang over here, I'm mean, a soldier, yeah. Yeah, there's, um, yeah, fighting obviously you're gonna get hurt, but the training is like, yeah, it's, as long as you're sensible about it, the ties, the ties are very smart, because like I said before, where they're fighting so much, even in the fight, they're very, one, they're very respectful and they're very smart when they fight. Obviously, they've got to fight again probably next week. So um, a lot of the time 
in the fifth round, normally they, uh, if they know who's won, the guy will just back up. Sometimes you see at the end, a couple of minutes towards the end, they're dancing. They're just like, come and get your points. Like, it's just, it's, like I said, it's a, it's a way of life. It's very, um, it's, it's very smart. But it's a good life, you know. Alrighty, so it is. Jack, Nick, pros and cons. Uh, I think pros of living out here, training and fighting, especially um, Chiang Mai, it's not as touristy as say Phuket, for example, but there's still a lot of different uh, people coming and going all the time. So we've got like our core group, our family, we do everything together, live together, etc. But through living out here and training, I've also made friends from all over the world that have just come here for a holiday. Yeah, passing through the gym kind of thing. Yeah, they just come through and you get to know them. Like, um, I've got some friends in Russia now, Israel. I don't think I'll ever go there, but he said, if, you, if you're coming through Israel, yeah. come hang out. That'd be a couch. <laughs> yeah, so just, just making connections all over the world. And, um, yeah, meeting a whole bunch of different people, staying physically fit, healthy, eating good food, getting love from the, the locals. Like I can't walk up the street now without almost every shop owner, every local on this street, like waving, saying hello, they all know our names. You know, we've got granddad down at Big C, mm -hmm. says the same joke every morning, going by a coffee, he's like, nah, breakfast, nah. <laughs> starts cracking up and it, it gets funnier every day that he says it. Yeah, it's, uh, and, it's a good life. And um, for cons, Maybe, I, th I think like you definitely miss your family back home and your friends back home. But at the same time, if I was back home, I'd miss all you guys, miss the family here just as much. And I can't help but feel like I'm not really missing out because you, know, you check Snapchat, Instagram, and a lot of my friends that are back home are still doing the same thing they're doing this time last year. Mm. You know, so other than like the odd night drinking and like they go to a concert and I'm here in bed reading a book, other than feeling like I'm missing out then, I don't really. It's always you see the, you know, their posts and it's like Friday night and I kind of feel like, oh, I kind of wish I could be there to party and then I see their Monday morning posts mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, I've got a beautiful week ahead of me doing what I love. So I think, yeah, the con's missing your family, but you got to try and remember you're not really missing a lot you're sort of you're making more progress here yeah you're making up for what you're what you're missing back home yeah okay short con lists very good okay one topic that's not on our topic list but it came up so we're gonna have to address it because it's the one that probably gets referenced the most back home mm -hmm. the good old lady boys in thailand mm -hmm. the chicks with dicks, the chicks with dicks. <laughs> <laughs> or the the men with boobs <laughs> so they're here they exist they prowl the streets of Thailand. Yeah. Um, I mean, you see them on Tinder. The, probably the worst thing about them is when you're on Tinder and you're like, oh, look at this hot girl. Oh, the beautiful one. And then you yeah. see the face is a little strange shape or there's, there's something up with their eyes and you're like, fuck. <laughs> it's a lady boy. Um, so yeah, but you get better at spotting them, I found. Lady boy dogs. Yeah, often, yeah you, get your, you get your lady boy detector on. Um, so I don't think anyone's had a surprise encounter yet. Not yet, we're very wise. Always read the bio on Tinder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No one's had a lady boy unbeknownst to them cross the threshold <laughs> yeah, of the bedroom yet. Enter HQ, you know. Um, 
but yeah some of them are that pretty though like you see their pictures and they look that much like a girl that you almost wish they were a girl more than yeah. they were <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> uh, if only <laughs> yeah I mean they're pretty good for saying that they're a ladyboy in their bio so as long as you ask them the you know the full list of questions are you a ladyboy are you a prostitute do you have STIs you're all good mm. you're in the clear um it's very common though here. Yeah. Like no one, no one bats an eyelid. Uh, yeah, like like you said, the so that's such a common question back home. Friends are like, oh yeah, lady boys and like yeah, what about them? Like they're about like they don't bother us. They exactly, they they're fucking, them. half of them are fucking great because you like you go out and see them and they probably buy you a drink or something. It's like, oh, gosh, dude. Like, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. you know, they're not. They're, they're, at the end of the day, they're yeah, they're just there. It's like they're not causing you harm. Want to be accepted? Eh? Exactly, like, and they are. They are here. That's the thing. So yeah, they're very accepted. Yeah, it's not like at home. I feel like they're maybe not accepted at all. So any transgender people at home, they might be like campaigning for to be accepted. So maybe you see them more because they're they're louder. But here, it's just they're already accepted, so they don't have to campaign about it. Mm-hmm. So they just walk around like everyone else. You know, mm-hmm. nobody really takes any notice yeah I think that's pretty much all there is to say about that yeah. really um, if any of us gets a funny story down the line involving a lady boy we'll be sure to share it on the podcast <laughs> for the buzz and yeah that's about that's about the size of that so how are we living here we haven't starved we're not living in we're not living in tents living we're in under tents. bushes Making a bit of cash, enough cash to keep alive. Side hustles, eh? What's your side hustle, Jack? Oh, we are sexy bartenders for, <laughs> for horny old ladies. <laughs> that sounds good. Tell us, tell us more about that. Uh, that's yeah. We do like wedding. Well, we say we're bartenders. Well, fucking, I've got a clue what we're doing. We go there, have a couple of drinks with the with the people whose event it is, and I'm pouring vodka or rum and tonics, thinking it's gin and. Yeah, just anything we can. Like, if there's any, any if there, there's anyone who's like, oh, do you want to earn a little bit of money? Like, you jump at it. You know, it's like it's all like cash in hand. It's all money. So, all this money it slowly adds up. Like I said, it's very cheap here. So, one night bartending is like thousand five hundred bucks. So that's like forty euros. You're saying, yeah. So that's that's food for easily a week. You know, easily a week you can live off that. So as long as you've got these different little, different little side hustles, it's um. As long as you're willing to work, obviously it would be nice to have a fight lifestyle. So wake up, train, eat, sleep. Wake up, train, eat, sleep. Obviously you gotta to live here. You gotta make it work. You gotta you gotta find ways of making money, getting a bit of money. Just it's all about making it work. If you want it that bad, it's gonna. I'd rather work two hours a day than work eight, ten hours and then train for four hours or three, four hours a night. Like these back home days are long, and it's like I don't know. It's you may as well just take advantage of what you got here. Mm. Like work a little bit, live longer. You know, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a multitude of ways if you want to, if anyone wants to live out here bad enough, mm. there's a way to oh, do if you it. Want it bad enough, yeah, yeah, if you have the, if you have a passion you can do out here and you can put more hours into it here than back home, mm. you will find a way to bring in the cash. Sure. Like Wang did with his English teaching skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Uh, it was a good rundown of this because this is probably the one that most people back home can yeah, it's probably it's pretty common to do out here. I think um, I've met quite a few people in the city that that live off it. Um, there's a lot of um, online companies where 
they will let you sign up. If you're a native English speaker, you can sign up to tutor people in, say, Japan, China, countries like that, where they're not native speakers. Um, because obviously a lot of them want to improve their English, so to practice with a native speaker is really good for them. And uh, you can just do it from your laptop, just Skype with them. Um, and the, pro the pay is anywhere between like 10 and like 20 to $30 an hour, depending on your qualifications and the company. So if you're up for doing that, you probably wouldn't have to work very much. Um, if you live modestly, maybe a few hours a day, just tutoring people on Skype wouldn't be that difficult. Um, so that's a pretty easy option. Uh, that's what I did uh, for most of last year. And uh, this year, um, I've obviously started doing uh, freelance web design with you. So um, we're trying to build up a, a little kind of a digital agency um, where we can build uh, websites and e-commerce stores for businesses at home. Um, so that's what myself and Rory are, are doing now, trying, trying to make a living doing that. But uh, the teaching is definitely a good option for, for a lot of people. So you're not, in a sense, you're not teaching them like the grammar or the nouns or anything like that. The people that are already getting formal English lessons and then you're having conversations with them. So they get to, they get to practice essentially what they're, what they're learning in class. Yeah, well, it depends on, on the company, I guess. But the company uh, I was working with, um, I just had to talk to them so that they could practice speaking to a na native speaker. And if they made mistakes, sometimes they'd want me to, to point them out, you know, which is why we're having the conversation. So it really wasn't that bad. Um, it, it kept me alive out here, so I was happy to do it. Um, but obviously, web design is something I'm really interested in getting good at and pursuing as well, as well as martial arts. So if I can do that and, and martial arts, that's pretty ideal for me, so. Good matchup. Anyone want to explain the visa situation out here? Because that's probably the, another thing people have to talk about. Not that it's a complication, but it's something that you have to... Pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. That you um, have to be well, aware of. My advice with that would be is I wouldn't bother applying for a visa from your home country and then trying to come here because there's so much extra hassle and there the Thai embassy in your home country like, actually cares and so they make you actually have to do a bunch of things whereas if you come here get your tourist visa you can extend that and then when you go to Wow, for example all they want is your money so they don't really care if you're like, they don't mind renewing your visa they don't even second guess it whereas back home it's quite a hassle mm. I think for us anyways Ali our one was pretty easy they seem to not care too yeah. much the Irish Embassy seemed to give them out pretty easily, but I guess if you if you just want to go as a tourist, you know, most countries are happy to to take in, mm. bring you into the economy and take your money. So I don't think it's going to be too difficult to get a tourist visa. Um, I think if, if you repeatedly get tourist visas and you stay here for a long time, you can start to get some trouble with immigration because obviously they, they don't really want people living here long term. Um, that aren't supposed to be here, supposed to be tourists. Um, then there's other options, like I guess the education visa, I think works for up to a year. Um, I'm not fully yeah. sure, but I think it's a year. One year, it's about 800 euro. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a good chunk of money up front, but uh, at least then you don't have to um, do too much with it. You can just kind of stay here, 
it gives you some extra uh, things you can do, like you can open a bank account. I think you can get a Thai driver's license. Um, so the education visa is probably a good option if you can if you can afford it. The other one then is the combat, combat visa. Engine. So same cost, um, same thing. You get to stay for a year. You can get your driver's license. You can get your bank account. But uh, you're learning self defense. <laughs> I've heard that it's the better option because for the education one you have to do is it two hours I think every week. Something in like the that. Yeah, yeah. So in between, in between training, yeah, you got to go to school, which ain't too bad. If you want to learn Thai, I think it's great. Mm. But yeah, we, yeah, I know people doing both, and um, yeah, definitely the combat visa seems a lot easier because obviously we're already fighters, and they just teach you some stupid like slappy hands, like always oh, got a knife and slap that away, sort of thing. <laughs> and they, um, I know one thing about the combat visa as well. They take you to immigration, so they always uh, every three months you have to have like a check in. Instead of on a tourist visa, every 30 days, you got to do something. Unless you firstly apply for a visa, then you get 60 days. Then you've got to go to immigration extend for 30 days. But the combat visa, um, yeah, every three months, you've got to check in with immigration. Um, I know with the, with the speaking, the educational, like the going to school, sometimes they, they try to talk to you in Thai. So the guys at immigration be like, oh, is he actually going to school? Um, I don't think they try that with a combat thing. They, Try and slap you or something. I don't know. Like I think you say, <laughs> you say the moves I'm learning are too dangerous yeah, to demonstrate on, <laughs> on a living being. <laughs> yeah, they yeah they're very organised at the combat one. That's what uh, we got a friend Amma. He said he said they'd like take you to immigration or some some bullshit like that. So it seems easier. There's there's, diff there's so many different options. It depends mm. if your money duration of the stay. Kind of if you yeah if, whatever you want to do really. It's like personal preference. I reckon. So people can, they can come here, get the 30 day visa at the airport and extend that for up to 60 days. 30 days. 30 days, sorry. Uh, so you get 60 days total. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to stay longer, it's yes. roughly you go abroad, yeah, get one for two months, come mm -hmm. back, extend it for 30 days. Yeah. Um, you can basically do that indefinitely until someone in mm -hmm. immigration is looking at your, flicking through your book and it's visa, 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 visa. If it fills up quickly, yeah, the passport fills up very quickly. But you can probably get away with that for a year, two years, year, two, kind of yeah, thing. And then if you can save up the cash, you can get your one year, uh, mm. one year educational definitely worth the combat it. visa. I think if you manage to make it, I think Job was saying this. If you manage to make it ten years mm. in Thailand, so I guess it's that that's just ten years of stringing different visas together. I think you can stay here. Really? Yeah, I think you can get some sort of yeah. <laughs> um, if you make it 10 years, it's like squatter's rights back squatter's home. Rights. You're in a house for 12 years and no one notices. I don't think you fully like get, you don't, I don't think you get the house and the land, but there's something where you're entitled to live there That's or some challenge. such thing. So I uh, have to look into that. I'm sure. Become a Thai citizen. Yeah. That'd, that'd be great. So what do we reckon is the average monthly living cost for our lifestyle anyways? Living moderately frugally. We're not buying crazy shit to fill the condos with every yeah, every day. Like plants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 500, 600 euro a week. Say, a month. Oh, months, a month. Months, yeah. yeah, a lot less. I'd say you could do it for less for sure. What would you What would you say is the... I'd say like, if you're a bit disciplined, um, and but still safe, you could probably do it for what? Four, five hundred euro? Okay. A month. 
I think that'd be pretty safe as long as you're you're pretty disciplined and you weren't like buying being crazy mean, expensive Western food yeah. and stuff like that. You know, slugging back three chang beers every night, yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> but that's like rent and immigration as well, because that's already an initial initial cost already. It's like five. I think the average is like for us is like five thousand baht taken away straight away. So that's rent, um, electricity, water. Um, and then immigration. Immigration is always like roughly about two thousand a month. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every thirty days. So it's like, yeah. If but uh, Wang was saying, if you can be disciplined, if you want to cook, like Wang lived off, was it five hundred baht, six hundred baht, two weeks. Yeah. Which is just like a. <laughs> it's not ideal. Legendary. Like a <laughs> story of Wang, like living like a peasant, like. Yeah, you can make it work if you like. It comes back to the thing before. If you want to make it work, you make it work. Like it's, um, but yeah, it's very cheap. It can be, can be cheap anyway. If you're cooking, if you're being wise, you're not being a twat with your money, like balance yet. But every now and then, obviously, it's nice to have new clothes, you know, mm. or like just buy a broom. Like, I think little little things, you know, because obviously you come here, you don't have all the home luxuries. Literally, where we're staying, you have a bed, um, a cupboard. In a shower room, um, or a fridge, even if you didn't want it, like <laughs> <laughs> no choice there. Uh, yeah, so it's a it's a wash your dishes in the bathroom sink mm. sink job, but it's grand. It does the trick. Uh, we all live in the in the one condo building, so it's SK apartment, otherwise HQ. known as HQ. <laughs> so yeah, you got your double bed, um, some rooms of aircon, some of fans, some of fridges. You get your balcony. Uh, I mean, it's a grand size room. You can fit you know, four people in it, yeah. You can do your yoga and your stretches. You can fit your desk in it, that's why it's the office. Yeah, yeah. that's why this is the office, because we got our- Got a table. Podcast <laughs> and desk. So you're looking at 80 to 100 euro for rent and electricity, mm. roughly, around about. Uh, immigration's about 50 a month. Food, 40 euro, 50 euro a week. Depends, that. Yeah, obviously we train, so we got to eat a little bit more. But yeah, you if what's it two meals a day, like seventy bar. It depends how much you eat. If you're yeah. a fat cunt or like you're quite reserved, like some days I can eat like a motherfucker. Other days I just like I'm not too tired to eat. So it really depends. I reckon so. Maybe you can budget like eating well, eating enough. But I can live off 150 baht a day, easy. Like that's two meals, a snacks. Mm. Like if you, and they're good sized meals, they're good, yeah, fresh pizza, cooked, yeah, healthy, yeah, tasty, exactly. everything yeah. you could want. So each of those is a, a euro. Yeah, a euro about, for like a huge plate of rice and chicken and, mm. and yeah. veg. Good going. It's a. Uh, and that's often cheaper here than actually making the food yourself. Oh, and you got to clean up as well. Like. Yeah, you got to clean up, you got to meal prep. A can of tuna is 44 baht, and a meal that's made for me and served up in front of me is 35 baht. So okay. it's kind of a no-brainer in terms of the uh, of the cooking. Um, I don't think I've been to a McDonald's or a Burger King. I've got an ice cream as well. Because it costs more, it's a smaller portion, it's not as healthy and you should go further away to get it. <laughs> so, unless you're really craving fast food from back home. Yeah, Western um, food some days, yeah. Yeah, it uh, isn't too too important to get. <laughs> so as well as all living under their own roof, we also all train under the one roof in the glorious Team Quest Thailand. Uh, Muay Thai 
Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and MMA training camp. Mr. Ferguson, tell us about your experience learning to beat people here. Uh, so I first found out about Team Quest because a lot of uh, New Zealand fighters had talked about it for years. They've been coming out, doing their camps here, preparing for big fights. Um, some of which have just broken into 1FC, which is quite a big organization. And so I just sort of followed the path and came here. And like I said earlier, I went to Phuket the first time I came. I tried out a couple of gyms down there and it was very commercial, you know, 70, 80 people in each class. 70, 80? Mm, it's huge. <sighs> they didn't really give a fuck about you. Like, yeah. Like, um, that sounds like um, Muay Thai back home in the college, just a huge, yeah. huge room, 70, 80 people. Yeah, it's a lot. And like, you know, they, just about the, they couldn't yeah. care less if you were doing anything, if you were fighting, they didn't care. Whereas when I come up here, it's like a really tight-knit family. Obviously people come and go, but the core group have all been here like the last couple of years. And it's really special. Like um, all of our Muay Thai trainers have had 200, 300 fights. They're all like savages, fought at uh, Lumpenian, etc. Our head coach Dylan's an absolute animal. He's uh, also got a black belt. And he's black fought in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, fought all over the world. Uh, our jiu-jitsu coach Brody is another black belt and we quite often have a guest instructor Bruno Cavallo who's like jiu-jitsu royalty so there's three black belts that are like always coming at the gym you know always there and so just building a team around that family aspect and everyone supporting each other and all working towards one goal so if someone like if say Big Jack's got a fight coming up Everybody dedicates a certain bit of time to Big Jack's fight coming up, helping okay. him prepare for yeah. it. So it's everyone works together as a team, as a unit, as opposed to just being just another number of paying just to be there. Yeah, it's not like people are welcome to come as tourists all the time, but you're going to be welcomed into the family as opposed to mm. just be another number. All right. And were you the first of the three to go to Team Quest? Uh, yeah, I came here two years ago and just for a month or six weeks or something. And um, yeah, so I think I was here first and I left. And when I came back, these boys were here. Okay. How did you end up here, Ronnie? Uh, so originally I was just searching online, trying to find a gym, a good Muay Thai gym in Thailand. And Is this uh, before you moved over? Yeah, so like the, the first summer I came out here, I wanted somewhere to train and uh, I guess Originally budget was a big concern, so I heard Chiang Mai was the cheapest, so that was the main reason I really came here. And then when I saw Team Quest, I saw that they had really high level BJJ and MMA. I'd never tried um, BJJ, but I thought I might be interested in doing mixed martial arts in the future. So I said, you know, that makes it easy to, to choose a gym. So I picked that one and came out here and I was really lucky that I just randomly picked uh, this gym because um, as Jack said um, our head coach uh, Dylan Fussell is really good and um, he's a very thoughtful person I, I'm always surprised by how he can put so much kind of um, thought into what each person needs you know people have different needs to progress um, in Muay Thai or in mixed martial arts and uh, he seems to be able to spot that pretty easily and, and do that for so many people at the same time um, so it's like your teacher in school that instead of just 
running away with the course is actually helping each individual person. Yeah, it's like some progress. people are struggling with one aspect and some people are struggling with a different aspect and he seems to be able to help uh, kind of tailor uh, everything to each person. So I think that's really great. And uh, I think we all appreciate uh, everything he does for us. Really, real thoughtful guy. And uh, as Jack said, he's a beast as well. You know, he's got <laughs> the black belt in uh, BJJ a uh, really good wrestler and has had loads of Muay Thai fights so um, couldn't ask for a better coach and the Muay Thai trainer is really high level, BJJ the same way um, so yeah I think it's a real advantage to be out here in like a small gym that re everyone really cares about you with real high level striking I don't think you can really get this level of striking anywhere else in the world other than Thailand um, so it's it's a very unique uh, position that we're in to have that level of, of coaching available to us all right jackie i uh so i um i first heard about uh team quest i think it's through facebook um and uh, word of mouth as well i know a guy back home he trained here a couple of years ago as well and uh so i started following them on instagram facebook and i remember seeing they put up a post looking for fighters so i, I dropped them a message and they're like yeah yeah come down so initially i was going to be in chiang mai for a week um when I, when I came here last year. Uh, and yeah, after a week, um, well, Dylan, like, well, I just wanna say, if, uh, fucking on behalf of probably all the boys here, like Dylan's given us the incredible opportunity to train and fight here, like pretty much for free. So if you are listening, yeah, thank you. But um, And that's through fighter sponsorship? Sponsorship, yes. How does yeah, that yeah. work? Give us a quick oh, rundown so of that. A lot, a lot of it is, Good vibes only, and we run off like good vibes only. Like Jack, Jack was saying, it's such a big family vibe. It's very family orientated. Like everyone has everyone else's back. Like like I said, with the fights, if someone's got a fight coming up, we're gonna help you the best best possible way. Where it's, I don't know, I've never had such like a like a brotherhood. Like I said, I used to play rugby, um, a few other like team sports, and like yeah, it was good, it was great, but here where you're grinding with each other like twice a day for hours and hours and hours. It's like you become such a tight little community. And um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very hard to for me to put into words like the, the, the respect and the love I have for, for everyone on the team. And because it's, it's very, we're very smart as well about it. Like I know, I've been to a lot of, a, a few gyms in Thailand and they all, it's very Thai style. It's Thai style. Like obviously Thai style is good, has a, has a place, but Thai style is very, hard and intense, it's always like run you into the ground. If you get infections, they're like, oh, you still train, 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 train. So you just finish a fight, you have a couple of days off, train, 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 train. And um, it becomes more, you're more of a more of a worker. You're just like earning the gym money. You're just like another clock, cog in the, in the mechanism. But here it's like, you, I see it, <clears throat> I see it with Dylan. You actually mean something to him. Like you look at him, he's almost like a father figure of the gym. Like he, keeps everyone in check like in a good way it's like if good you, vibes and force honestly it's incredible like because i've got the tendency to to train like a fucking idiot like i just have to train harder i don't feel if i'm not killing myself i'm not progressing and he's been trying to root it into me like like just chill the fuck out like just just go home like just just relax he's not only looking out for for the team but for myself it's like um the longevity of your fighting career as well he's not stupid he's is very very smart in the way he goes about things and like I said he's an animal the boys are saying he's a fucking animal like he will like if he wanted to he could wreck you but he doesn't he he gives you all these technical advice um hold pads for you you know like he will 
take you to the next level. I have noticed my my game go through the roof. So like I said before, with the Thai gyms, it's all about pretty much like a cardio machine. You just rep kicks, rep kicks, rep kicks. And there's different aspects I'm starting to learn with uh, Dylan telling me to do certain drills, like become more of a, I don't know, uh, a complete fighter. Instead of just being able to throw a lot of kicks, it's just... There's ways to go about it, and he definitely he definitely knows the way. And it's it's the same with everyone else on the team. Like we've all we're all like helping each other out, holding pads, not sparring. It's like we all train together, we all eat together. It's just like it's just a oh man, it's a good team. It's a I love I honestly by far one of the best. I don't I'm not saying this because I'm just sponsored, but by far the one of the best gyms I've been to in Thailand. Just just for every possible reason you could think of, you know. All right. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that, all right, uh, about both the gym and, and Chiang Mai. They just come here and they think, whoa, this place ticks. Yeah, so you ticks more boxes yeah. than I thought it was going to tick. How am I going to How am I gonna leave here? You can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, we have one more topic and one more question. Uh, I'll do the question first because it kind of leads into the topic. It's a question by uh, Murphy Berry from Hedford, Galway, the Isle of Ireland. Have you considered the possibility of long-term brain damage and how that might affect the rest of your lives? Very deep question here. Ali. Yeah, so obviously that's something we have to think about because it's probably, if you're going to pursue fighting, it's probably the, the big con in your mind. You know, you might end up punch drunk when you're 40, unable to, to speak clearly and stuff like that. Um, but... Maybe I'm just being optimistic, but I think it's probably avoidable to some extent because if you look at a lot of the gyms um, in other countries, they spar super hard every day. Um, so that's a lot of like concussive blows are taken to the head. So we're not getting that. Um, a big thing in, in Thailand is, you know, sparring really light and technical. So we're not really getting thumped in the head very regularly. Mm. Um, so that's always a plus. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think um, training is probably a bigger factor than fights. You think about how often you fight compared to how often you train, um, there's a big difference. So if I'm only getting hit at full power the few times I fight, as opposed to every day, like some people are in other gyms, I think hopefully it'll be all right. And uh, yeah, hopefully the scientists figure out how to <laughs> repair our brains. <laughs> by the time I'm old. <laughs> I suppose there's a bit of yin and yang in it as well on that. The one side, like you said, you don't want to be getting beat the whole time, but on the other side, you don't want to, you don't want to be wrapped in bubble wrap. Like no one around here is walking the streets with their, their hard hat on the whole time, you know, making sure that they never get hit in the head. Um, I suppose here in Thailand, it definitely leans towards the riskier side of things compared to back home, for sure. Uh, either of the Jacks have any comment on that or kind of the same thing as probably the same sort of thing I reckon there's more things you'd be worrying about like what you're putting in your body mm. and getting hit in the head I'm not fast I'll worry about it later if it gets to that point but um, yeah like live in the moment yeah people people they they, they t tend to hang on to things like that they're like oh yeah like what about what about your brain I'm like what about that fucking cigarette you're smoking and the drink yeah. you're drinking you fucking idiot like <laughs> what is wrong with you like don't it's because they, they, they hear it on the news and they're like they want to sound smart, like, oh, yeah, you get brain damage, like, shouldn't be doing that. Well, fuck off. Like, I don't know, it really, I don't know why the things like that really, like, 
fuck me off. Like, it really annoys me because you get really, not, not judgmental, they just get very, like, um, they take the, the high horse. They're like, oh, you're going to fight, you're going to get brain damage, you're wrecking your body. And I'm just like, man, you don't even exercise. You look at your life. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying I can't, but look at you. Mm. <laughs> Pathetic, you know? Fair way to be. I think one of the main things is training, like the old cliche, train smarter, not harder. Mm. So like uh, being an MMA fighter, you obviously have to have good cardio because you have five minute rounds. But I see a lot of people, they'll do, when they spar, for example, when they're doing like sharking, warming up for a fight or getting ready for a fight, um, they feel like they have to spar hard, they have to hit hard, get hit hard to be, I don't know, ready for the fight. Whereas the way we'll do it is if we're doing what's called sharking, so you'll hit pads for 30 seconds and then a fresh person will come in and I'll have to wrestle with them and then I'll go back to doing pads. So we do, you simulate your fight, so three five minute rounds of alternating between pads and wrestling a fresh person. It's designed just to wear you out and almost mentally break you. But uh, I see a lot of people back home, they only ever spar hard. And so they're only, they're just brawlers. I was sort of guilty of that myself back home, being like, everyone, you know, it was like, it wasn't sparring night, it was like fight night. Like once a week, everyone at the gym would just throw hands. And I think it's bad for your technique as well as it's bad for obviously your brain. Like sparring where everything's 100%, you're, you're never really balanced. And so your technique tends to be shit because you're focusing so hard on trying to hit them that you're not actually hitting them, mm. if that makes sense. But also, like I was saying with the sharking before, if you're, you can get your work in and get your cardio and your physical work without having to spar and get hit in the head. Like that's why we will hit the pads when we're sharking as hard as you can. Like you try and break the pad holder's hand almost, you know, go very hard. And then when I'm tired, I'll go into my wrestling. So someone will shoot on me, I'll have to try and wrestle them or if they take me down, I have to try and stand and work up. So while I'm tired, I'm not getting hit in the head, but I'm still getting that maximum output, that maximum heart rate. And then I go back to hitting the pads, for example. So you're getting all your work in without actually getting hit in the head. I think all your sparring, like your striking sparring, should just be fun, playful, like just, just tapping each other. Because when you're, like, when you're relaxed, when you're just trying to play, that's when you're balanced and that's when your technique is actually correct. Because you're not just trying to wind up a kick from miles away because you're emotionally upset. Mm. If you're smiling, having fun, you know, you can flick something out there and if you get hit it's not really a big deal you can correct it without it having like i think if i go back like home from sparring and i've got a headache i'm fucking pissed off because it means either me or my training partners they have no control so i think yeah sparring should always be playful enjoyable even and when you want to work hard you do your hard work your hard cardio on the pads on the bag wrestling's different you're not taking shots to the head so you can go 100% wrestling, jiu-jitsu, you can roll hard and use all your strength, use all your physical attributes and it's not really as damaging on the body as long as you're rolling with someone that knows what they're doing. Okay. Wise words on working smart and working hard. <laughs> I suppose it's like any extreme sport, like if you're a rally driver, oh, what if you crash into a wall and your <laughs> legs get crushed by the engine block? Or if you're a rock climber and you're climbing up a dodgy wall and your pin falls out and you fall to your death there's you know there's risks with it but they they add to the 
adrenaline at the mm. same time, I suppose. Or even like when you're moving out here, people will ask you, oh, what about the high road fatalities or, you know, the really bad smoke because every rice farmer in every country around Thailand is currently lighting their fields on fire. Um, pros outweigh the cons. 100%. Yeah, and you can't be wasting, or you can't be spending too much time thinking about the cons if you've already decided that. Yeah, there's a reason why we've been so long, eh? Yeah, yeah, that there is. So the final thing is, uh, what's it like the few minutes before a fight and when you get into the ring? What are you thinking? Can you see the audience or are you just tunnel focused, mm-hmm. tunnel vision on the guy across from you? Anyone want to start with that? I'll take it. Go on. Um, uh, nowadays, like now, now I've had a cut the free fight. Um, I don't get that nervous leading up to it. I know I've got a fight, but it doesn't feel, <clears throat> it's kind of funny, it doesn't feel like reality. It's like, oh, I'm fighting. I'm like, it doesn't feel like nothing. Until, until you're in the, in the actual stadium, you, you get an enamel the oil, like poured over you, they're rubbing it in, they're massaging you, you get the Vaseline on your eyes and you get the gloves on, it still doesn't feel real. It still feels like, oh, right, just a, just another day in paradise, you know? And then you do your Y crew, which is your dance, but before the fight, and that's when it's, I don't know, you start feeling something, you feel the eyes on you. Obviously, in the stadium, there's many people there and there's there's noise, they're talking, you just feel that, you, you kind of start feeling the pressure. But still, like, I don't, personally for me, I don't really feel that many nerves until uh, the referee calls myself and my opponent over into the middle of the ring, tells us something in Thai. I don't know what he says, probably just like, have a good fight, <laughs> like, don't be a dick. Like, um, you go back to your corner, take your Mong Kong off, um, and then he calls us, calls us back in and says, fight. You touch gloves, and that's when it all kind of tunnel vision, like, it goes quiet. There's, uh, in Muay Thai, you have the, the, the flute and the drums so and they progressively get louder and louder and louder and louder and faster and faster and faster as the rounds go on just to pick up the pace of the fight but I guess to a point I don't even hear that I just it almost feels like I'm in like a, a, a video game and I'm fuck it that's when I'm that's when the nerves kick in and I'm like my breathing goes all over the place and I haven't even thrown a punch yet and I'm like oh fuck why am I doing this again like, <laughs> why like, how did I end up in this situation exactly honestly and you know I'm like, it's, it's gonna hurt you know you're gonna hurt but it's like oh, for fuck's sake 10-15 seconds later after a few punches of throwing you're like you kind of get the realisation like fuck I love this like it's fun it's so much fun because it's, it's such a such a it's like a high level chess game with severe consequences you know like I think that's what Joe Rogan says and it's, he's got a fucking point because it's it's not there's such a misconception with fighters they think oh the, these motherfuckers are angry they want to bang and yeah you get the occasional cunt who wants to do that but it's it's so much more than fighting it's like you have to be smart there's so many ways about it and yeah after like I said after 10 15 seconds yeah like you just you get comfortable you start having fun you you can't obviously the tunnel vision's still there but you, you can hear your corner if you've got a good cornerman um you can hear him like oh do this and then it's almost like they're playing a video game. You're literally in the video game. You're throwing whatever, yeah. whatever. Giving you know, controls. Yeah, exactly. Combos to hit. Exactly, because they, you you can see some of the fight, but your corner sees the whole fight. They see exactly what's happening. So it's, if you can drown everything out apart from your corner, that's perfect. Just like uncontrollable, but yeah, fucking. It's such a weird experience. Like many people ask me, like, what's it like? I'm like, fucking try it. Like, I'm not gonna tell you. I can sit here and spit for an hour telling, telling you how fighting's great and what happens in a fight, but 
only few people make that walk into the ring and like the 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 reward is like dividend like you need to do it it's I don't know it's fucking right passage kind of thing but don't be a bitch <laughs> <laughs> don't be a bitch get the gloves on yeah exactly <laughs> get in anyone else um I think uh leading up to the fight maybe sort of like fight week I think I find cutting weight and not cutting weight, my performance changes a lot. I've always found the fights where I haven't had to cut weight, I've always been like less hungry, less motivated. Like um, I find cutting weight, although it sucks, it's almost therapeutic in the way that it, your body knows like, it, like you're always hungry and that hunger keeps you focused on the mm. fact that you do have a fight coming up and you know, avoiding all the sweet foods and all this kind of you know just resisting all that temptation is like something that mentally prepares you it's like um abstaining from sex is meant to be the same principle like before the fight is it's not necessarily your testosterone is low but just the fact that you're not satisfied that you're hungry that you're still going like i'm never going to do it but like it's the it's the mental aspect preparing you but sort of the day of the fight or a few you know, half hour, hour before the fight, I find nerves will be coming and going, sort of fluctuating. It's good to have some nerves. Like if you have zero nerves, then you should probably panic because like when you get that light feeling in your stomach, that's all your blood going from your digestive system to your muscles because your body knows it's about to fight, it's mm. about to prepare. And so it's, it's doing everything it can to prepare itself. I find the nerves are, I'm super calm walking out and the nerves will kick in, like Big Jack said, right when you're standing there looking at each other the few moments before the bell rings, is probably the most nervous you will be. And then I find as soon as you know you go back to your corner, you walk out and you touch gloves and as soon as you throw a punch, boom, it's like, this is what I do every day, twice a day. This is what I've prepared the last few years for. This is nothing new to me. And I find, yeah, once you're fighting, it's not a big deal. Especially once the adrenaline starts kicking up and stuff. Like I've been need, like had my head pulled down and been need flat in the face. And I've heard it and I was looked up and thought, fuck, I think I just got need just then. Like, <laughs> like you don't, you know, sometimes you'll feel, I find you feel like different things, but majority you'll hear it. And as long as you've got, yeah, good coaches, good cornering, like Big Jack said, and you can just tune out and focus and execute a game plan and keep your cool is probably the best way to go about it. All right. Are you shitting a brick when you're in the <laughs> in the, in the ring, Ollie? Uh, so I think mine goes a little bit different to what the guy said, but uh, what I tend to get is whenever I have a fight day, I kind of get like an oh fuck moment, like I need to check make sure everything's, everything's good, you know, I, I haven't got any holes in my defense or, you know, I've got stuff I can take them out with, you know, it's, it's like, I've got like two, three weeks now to make sure I'm, I'm ready going into the ring. Um, so in training then I'm real focused, real thinking about trying to think of some sort of weakness that might screw me over in the fight. Um, and then I, I go, I kind of up my running uh, before the fight, not necessarily just for cardio, but um, it lets me kind of go through lots of different situations of the fight, like um, combinations and stuff. And 
it wasn't really a conscious thing where I decided that would be a good idea. It was more that um, that just seems to be how I react to it once I have a, a fight day. I can't stop visualizing combinations that I, I, I could throw or that my opponent could throw and how I counter them. And um, the jogging helps you visualize it. Yeah, and I, what I found is that if I don't do it while I'm jogging, I'll do it the next time I just have nothing to do, which is normally when I'm going to sleep. So that's not really great when you're trying to get to sleep, just thinking about fighting. So uh, I like to run quite a bit more just before my fight. Um, I guess it helps for cardio as well. Um, so that's like before, in the lead up to the fight, that's how I feel. And then when I get to the stadium, it's kind of like, I'm always really, con- well, so far I've always been confident going into my fights that I can win. Uh, maybe that'll change if I get some killer opponent, but <laughs> so far I've never had any doubt that I'll win. It's just, I think with the adrenaline, you get a real uneasy feeling maybe in your stomach and just feels bad in general. Just a general feeling of mm. uncom- uncomfort. Like, I don't know, how would you say, unease? Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that if your body is gearing up its adrenaline production, your brain is like, there's a reason for that. You know? yeah. I'm not making adrenaline for no, <laughs> no yeah, reason. Yeah, so, so I, ha- I hate the, the hour or so you're waiting for the fight. I hate that. I just feel really bad, but not, not like lacking confidence or anything. And then I feel like once I get in the ring, uh, once I'm over the ropes, um, it just feels like a performance then almost. I, I don't know, I, I, find, I find that calms me down. Uh, once I'm, I'm in the ring and it's time to perform, you know, I like being tested. I like trying to see if I can uh, take the guy out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that about wraps it up. Interesting. Nice yeah. little discussion there. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules in <laughs> Chiang Mai, Thailand. And uh, we'll hopefully be back next week with a fresh round of topics. You're welcome, bro. Looking forward to it. So that brings our conversation to a close. Let us know what you thought in the comments, drop us any questions or topics you'd like to hear discussed when the four of us sit down next time for a chat. A lot of interesting people pass through Team Quest Gym here in Chiang Mai, and the plan is to get as many of them onto the podcast as possible, starting with our Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu coach Brody, who I'll be talking to soon. Thanks for listening.